You're listening to Brunch with Pre, the podcast by the Brunch Kitchen, where we talk all things sustainability, physical and mental well-being, lifestyle, and much more. My name is Priyansh Parekh, and I'm a vegan chef and content creator. And I sit down with inspiring individuals who are following their dreams and turning their passion into reality. Today we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, her name is Shipra. She goes by the Purest Vegan Kitchen. Um, that's my Insta handle. Yeah, that's her Insta <laughs> handle. Um, um, so Shipra and I met on Instagram, and essentially about a year ago, sometime last year, we decided to meet up and have a little discussion about what we could do together. as a pop up or things like that. Yeah, since then we've been pretty good friends. I see her uh once every few weeks. Um and she's sort of taken on the role of an unofficial mentor. Aww. So, yeah. This is Shipra. I'll let her introduce herself. Hello everyone. I'm Shipra. I I'm the founder of Sage Plant-Based Kitchen um which is a vegan and gluten-free meal plan um and food delivery. As pre said that we met on Instagram um when was it a while ago? Yeah, early um, last year. Yeah, we have become very close friends since then and we see each other regularly which is great. Thank you Pri for inviting me oh, um to do this podcast with you. It's it's such a pleasure to be here. Um and I'm very excited to share my story. Yeah, um I'm very excited to listen to it. I mean, I've I've heard it the first time I've met you and every time I hear like parts of the story, it's still sort of is such an interesting journey you've had. Um so we're going to jump into that right yeah, away. Yeah, let's um, talk about it. So you had one of the most incredible career trajectories I've I've ever seen, I guess. And and it's it's inspiring how like at every step of the way you've done something that's always been for other people or has always been sort of advocating for 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 other people for now I guess animals and and the planet and things like that. Um could you start at the start. All right, I will start with um with saying that I decided to do a law degree um after graduating um high school. I grew up um I grew up here partly partly in Germany and then my parents moved here in the 90s in Dubai. In Dubai. Yeah. And um I I did my GCSEs and my A levels and then thought okay, the best thing to do is to go to go to law school because that's what I was interested in back then. Um I used to watch um these um TV shows about justice and how it was so beneficial when like um it, it could be so good for other people when you know if there I just thought justice was such an important part of every everybody's life and how important it was to society. So um naturally I was really drawn to it and I thought okay this is the way I could bring uh value um as um as a human I would this is this is my way of bringing value to to the society that I'm living in 
and it would be something really nice to pursue, also quite interesting. But as I went to law school, which was absolutely amazing, I was very lucky to go to a very um, interesting law school in London. Um, I had a really great time. I moved there at the age of 18. Um, a really fun time living in London for five years, uh, meeting new people, um, studying, also working at the same time. But I did realize that it was not easy to, to finish the degree. Okay. Um, but it, was, um, it wasn't easy for anybody. I yeah. could see that um, it was not just me that was struggling. Um, of course, it was maybe slightly harder for international students as um, English is not their first language. Um, but it's, um, it was hard for everybody. Everybody was sort of pressured into finding a job afterwards. Um, doing really well because of course you need needed to meet certain requirements um, to achieve certain grades to be able to get into the law firms right so there was a lot of there was a huge stress factor um, just before graduating um, I was lucky that I didn't have a student loan but I, a lot of my friends they had student loans to yeah. pay off so the added pressure of yeah that so that as was well. the added pressure of that in doing that as well um, overall it was an it was an interesting time, but I think mentally quite challenging in many ways. Um, at the time, I, I couldn't even think about the idea of pursuing something that I was passionate about because my mind was sort of programmed in a way. You've sacrificed so much to do this. Yeah. And you've put in so much hard work to to finish this degree that the only the only next thing you need to do is to get a job. Yeah. the best job possible. And I think l pursuing something that, that I enjoyed or even thinking about something that I enjoyed or investing time in something else wasn't even something that would occur to me at the time. Um, so it was mainly just like focus on getting a job and just you know going down that path. And of course, your surroundings are, you know, when people say that your surroundings are so important to to who you become. Yeah, I I really believe in that because if your surroundings are telling you the same thing, mm. then it's very hard to get out of the pattern. Right. So me, I'm uh, at the time. I'm my surroundings are all saying, oh, they're all doing the same thing. They all have the same pattern of thinking. So uh, naturally, I'm I'm thinking the same way. Um, I was lucky enough to, to land myself a job here uh, very, very soon after graduating with, with a very, um, very interesting law firm. I, so overall, I would say, I think I worked in corporate law for about three years, just to cut this short, otherwise I'll keep rambling about <laughs> it. <laughs> no, of course, this is great. <laughs> it's like I need to, I need to um, shorten it down a little bit, otherwise <laughs> the story is just way too long. But um, in a nutshell, I did corporate work for three years, um, which was not good for me. As a junior lawyer trainee, you work long hours, um, and depending on th on the the way the team is set up, um, sometimes it can be um, lack of training or lack of support. It just really depends on the atmosphere. I think I had mixed experiences where at times I was given a lot of support, I was given training, but at times I was also not given any support. Mm. Overall, it was quite challenging for me, but at the same time, the working hours, um, 
the pressure right after coming out of law school. Um, it didn't suit my health. Okay. And I ended up with a lot of health problems, anxiety, um, palpitations, like heart palpitations oh. on a regular basis. Yeah, after doing it for maybe two and a half years, it got really bad where I just just needed to stop because, yeah, the pressure was just too much. Also because I feel that commercial law is the sort of career where you are you're really pressured into following the path of others right. uh, to climb the ladder, etc. And there was just too much going on. I just knew that I was not happy, but mm. I had to do this. Because that was the only way, sort of. Yeah, because that was the, the path. Yeah, that, that was the path that's yeah. like laid out in front of you. Right, okay. Uh, but then there's nobody else telling you otherwise. <laughs> okay. Um, but so I had to break out of that pattern. So I had to break through, I think it was at the age of 25, 26. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, my dad passed away due to health, some health problems. And that was just like an eye-opening um, experience somehow just seeing everything how it happened and how it impacted my family and i i just told myself at that point that i will not live another day doing something that i don't i don't like to do okay or i'm not going to i'm not going to keep pursuing a life that it's making that is making me feel this way so i had to sit down and kind of think about the skills i had and um what i could I could do with my life and I sort of went back and I thought why did I want to pursue this in the first place and realized that oh I chose law because I wanted to be of service to others mm. and I wanted to help others so what can I do with my with my law degree and with my experience to be able to achieve that yeah so I started looking for jobs everywhere outside the UAE because I couldn't find anything suitable here. Um, luckily, I landed something in South, South America, which was working as a refugee protection officer. They were looking for somebody who spoke English yeah. uh, for a strategic litigation role within a human rights organization. Okay. It was, um, it was an international NGO. Yeah. Luckily, I was doing strategic litigation work in the UAE, yeah. but in a commercial sense. But you, those skills and that experience was able to land me a job in South America because they were looking for somebody very specific who didn't need to speak Spanish, but they needed to have strategic litigation experience. And so luckily, I was able to um, get this position and I just decided to move. Without overthinking it too much, I was just like, okay, let's try it. If I don't like it, I can always move back. And really fortunately, it just turned out to be one of the best years of my life, I can say. It was not easy. It was extremely challenging. But at the same time, I learned so much. I grew so much as, as an individual. I was very lucky to work with, with some amazing people, meet some amazing people. I loved the organization I worked for. Yeah. So it just turned out to be a really positive experience. And I felt that I was really in the right place in my life, which was magical. Just like feeling of happiness yeah. every single day when you wake up and you, you feel a sense of purpose. 
which was really amazing. Um, and th the best thing was that the entire organization shared the same sense of purpose. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. And so, you know, you w you're in a workplace where everybody shares this sense of purpose and there is this um, energy of elevating each other. Yeah. And helping each other through every day, which is just incredible and quite rare, I would say. So I did that for a year. Unfortunately, then, yeah, of course, I had to come to an end. My contract ended after a year. And the organization sort of sta started falling apart. It happens, uh, it, it's quite common with, with NGOs when they start running out of funding, mm -hmm. um, et cetera. Yeah, and then we started to look for other, uh, you know, other contracts, and um, I landed something with with the United Nations in okay. the Netherlands. I ended up moving there, working there for two years. Um, I worked for the UNICTY, which is the the court for um, war crimes for the former Yugoslavia. Wow. I was there for six months, and then I worked at the ICC, which is the International Criminal Court for over a year. Overall, I ended up staying there for two years um, until my contract there ended. But I would say three years of doing humanitarian work, back-to-back -back living in two different countries, seven different apartments, wow. um, changing three jobs can be quite tiring. So I decided to take a break and move back here for, for a little while until I land myself the next contract. In my experience with a lot of the human rights work or if you're doing work with international organizations, the contracts can be quite short. And the lack of stability, the constant change can be quite tiring for people. It is a very difficult career path, but you have to be extremely passionate about it. Yeah. So th the kind of work that you do most of the time makes up for the things that are not so good. And a lot of people that are doing that kind of work, they're extremely committed and passionate about that type of work. But yeah, I did think after three years back to back, I, I needed a break. I was quite tired. So that, that must have been, I mean, I guess it makes sense that you had burnout because all the things you were doing had some pretty heavy subject matter. Because even like hearing the stories of, of sort of refugees or even being in the war crime sector, it could get pretty intense, right? Like hearing all these stories and, be, and like having the ability to detach from these stories must be so difficult and so taxing um, that, you know, I guess it makes sense to have a break at the end of that. Um, yeah, I think it's, um, it's very healthy to take a break. A lot of people don't focus on that. They're just sort of on autopilot, mm. um, especially like in their late 20s and early 30s they just want to make the most out of this time yeah and so they end up working a lot but you need um you need a mental break uh, to sort of reset to reevaluate what what you want to do with your life yeah. i do think those things are quite important and they can actually add a lot of value mm. and happiness going forward agreed rather than you know just being on autopilot and just doing things day to day without evaluating um, how you're feeling yeah you become a robot right like yeah. these stories don't even mean that much to you at some point you're just so desensitized to everything if you're just constantly there not taking a break for yourself yeah i mean initially i remember it was quite difficult when i worked for the un it was more like secondary because i would read the stories but mm. i was not in the courtroom okay but when i worked at the icc i was actually inside the courtroom every day so th all the testimonies of war crimes, the witnesses, victims, they were all in front of me. I was listening to them all day. And yeah, it, it really impacts you after a while. And you look at your colleagues, everybody's impacted. 
Yeah. You you constantly need a break and you need to um, get some help to try and not let it impact you. But it's always there. You can't remove it. Right. You train yourself to manage it. Yeah. But whether you want to do it for a long time or, you know, you always have a choice with, with everything else. I always think that you have a choice in the end to do it or not to do it. If something is not good for you, you can always stop. Yeah. And having that realization is so important. Yeah. And knowing when is enough and when is a good time to step back um, or just take a break. And whether or not you choose to come back is, is up to you. But yeah, knowing when is a good time to to just take a step back, pause, reevaluate is so important because if, if once you've lost that window, then it's really hard to then be like, all right, now I should stop. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's good. Um, it's good to take a break and then sort of think about specific details about what is causing this or why are you not feeling that great? Mm. I mean, there are of course, you know, at times you're not, there's just something that you need to fix. But at times the entire career is maybe not so great for you and you need to make a big change. Yeah. So it really depends on the situation you're in. So now you've done essentially three years worth of law six in, years i mean in three total. years in in sort of yeah. like the human rights space yeah um and six years just in general uh, right right after university right yeah at any point did you ever consider that maybe there was something else that you were meant to do so during the same time i started getting really into the food space okay i started experimenting a lot with with food because it turned out that i started developing also a lot of digestive problems okay I wasn't able to eat the things that everybody else ate around me. I had to eliminate gluten from my from my diet, dairy as well. Yeah, gradually I started uh, going towards more raw food veganism. Okay. Um, eating less and less like processed and cooked foods around me. Even in the UAE, there were there were no options available. Yeah. How how long ago was this? This was almost. So nine years ago, eight, oh. nine years ago. Yeah, anything before two years ago. It was not a great time to be in this space. Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine <laughs> back then you would have like, um, there, w- there were a lot of um, new restaurants and uh, food deliveries. However, um, you couldn't find anything suitable for people with allergies or intolerances. Um, I remember really struggling because nobody would really nobody would understand what I need. Mm. They found it um, quite strange that I was asking for no gluten or no dairy in my food. So I remember having to prepare all of my meals. And then I would just do the meal prep and then take it to work. Okay. So yeah, that just meant spending a lot of time in the kitchen and doing all of my food prep. And this was also a new area for me where I was trying to figure out how to eat for myself, but also trying to make sure that the things that I cooked were tasty. Yeah. Otherwise, I would feel as if I'm missing out. So yeah, that's when it started and I started spending more and more time in the kitchen and yeah, it did become, during this time, it did become a huge, huge passion project because I realized that eating this way had benefited me a lot. Yeah. And um, a lot of my health problems disappeared. Mm. Of course, I had to do something about the stress as well. But um, eating also had a huge part to play. 
So these health problems were sort of a direct um, consequence of the stress? I would say they're quite related. So whenever, even now, if somebody asks me um, questions or advice about how to manage certain intolerances or allergies, I always tell them, you know, you, ne- you might need to make some lifestyle changes as mm. well as changes in the way you eat. Yeah. So it's not just food, it's also lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's, it's all holistic now, right? Like now yeah. we're, we're in a, we're part of, a world now that understands that it's not just you have to eat well to to be fit or you have to you know eliminate stress to to be mentally stable whatever now as a society realize that every aspect of your life needs to have healthy boundaries yeah um in order for you to thrive it's not just eliminate one unhealthy thing from your lifestyle and then that will fix everything it's mostly like it has to be holistic to, you have to pay attention to every aspect of your life yes absolutely and um it it needs to be consistent you can't you can't do it one day and not do mm. it the next day it needs to be like a practice that you follow and consistent and and consistency is healthy right like that's that's the the healthiest thing to do like you have to be able to do things that you can stick to because that's the easiest way to to start building healthier habits yeah for me it it took took me quite a while to to get there i have to admit and i i'm still working towards it some days are better than the others but it's more that um you know once you understand that you need to make certain lifestyle changes then at least you know that those are the changes that are beneficial to you right now you started cooking for yourself and you started experimenting with all these recipes and things like that while you were also pursuing law did it occur to you that you could do this for a living or was it just something you did for fun for yourself you know it's very interesting because people say people always talk about the power of manifesting Mm. i would just speak to myself and to the people around me telling them how one day i'm going to own a cafe Mm. or do something food related yeah because I truly just believed in it. I just thought it was so great to offer this alternative to other people. Right. And for them to try how delicious this food can be. Yeah. And um, just saying this over and over again. And at the back of my head, I was thinking, okay, yeah, once I retire or once I'm in my 40s, this is the plan. This is what I'm going to do when I'm older. But here I am in my like early 30s. Yeah. And now, now this is what I'm doing. Yeah, it's it's actually really funny because I've had the same thing, um, I think, when I was at university and stuff. So I was like, one day I'm going to have a cafe. Not because I was cooking or not because I thought I would end up cooking. Yeah. But it's just, I think it's just a dream that a lot of people have. And it had nothing to do with food. It just had the idea of being in like a little cafe, knowing the community, seeing familiar faces every morning, yeah. you know, having this space that feels safe. To And I think that had to do a lot with my time in Australia where... Uh, coffee culture is so incredible and and the way like cafes work they don't they don't do the the chain coffees they don't do starbucks or things like that those places don't work those are for tourists they only have like hole in the wall sort of cafes and and if you walk into there they'll recognize you and you know they'll be like oh do you want the same thing you had last time whether or not you've been there in like a month you know they, they still recognize you and that's that's sort of what i wanted to create this community but it had nothing to do with food. And now now here we are. 
Yeah, as I said, I think it's just you manifested this yeah. for yourself, <laughs> and um, it's incredible also to see your journey and how you have how you started doing this, and here you are just flourishing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. We're all. I mean, it's it's such an incredible space to be in. Yeah. Um, once you've got it right, I think, and once you once you know the right people, because. I wouldn't have met any of these people if I hadn't taken that first step to to do this. I still get to meet so many cool people every day. So many people show up to my pop-ups and things like that. And, you know, we, we built a community. You know, yeah. th- these people that show up are now my friends. A year ago, I, I think when I met you as well a year ago, I wouldn't have imagined being here a year later. So, yeah, it's incredible. I think the power of manifestation has definitely played a big role and in uh, in a way that i haven't realized um but it's cool to to sort of see that every day you wake up and you get closer to this vision you had that you never thought would be alive so early yeah it was always like oh post retirement i'm gonna have (laughs) like a little cafe in some corner of of some like really rural place in europe or something or in india or something and have like a little cafe like a little hole in the wall shouldn't care about finances or anything just be just live my best life yeah yeah and here we are (laughs) here we are living our best lives now (laughs) so now you you've done like six years of 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 law you'd come here on a break i'm here with no fnb experience and thinking how am i going to get into this space so you knew at that point that you wanted to get into this space like once that once you'd come back from sort of your sixth year of law you'd come back for a break thing is it's i was very unclear about what i wanted at the time i think that's what it was my um my mind was sort of in the beginning it was sort of blank i tried to go back into the human rights space i remember taking up a contract in greece okay um, working at one of the biggest actually it is the biggest in fact refugee camp in europe um in in lesbos so i got a contract to work there moved to greece after a month of not doing, two months of not doing anything, where I went to Bali and just like uh, backpacked around Bali. And then I was like, okay, I've had enough. Now I need to go back to work. (laughs) So I get this contract in Greece and um, I quit after 10 days because I just couldn't take it. Oh. So that was my body and my mind telling me, okay, this is not for you right now. I think you're emotionally exhausted from just doing this type of work. Yeah. Although, I mean, there's still like a huge part of me that loves it and I see a lot of value in it. Of course. But um, that doesn't mean that you, you, you really need to pursue that in your life. I quit after 10 days and um, moved back here, started looking around. Because I had all this time, I, kn- I knew I needed to do something with it. Yeah. Um, started working more on recipe development and looking around what can I do with this with the skill that I think I have, but I didn't know anything about running a food business. I had no idea um, how it works here, what I need to do. Yeah. I remember once going to the ripe market and I met this um, this guy who's, who's now my friend. Um, he had a table set up there and he was doing some bakery. So I started talking to him and telling him about my food concept that it would be completely plant-based and gluten-free. He was like, why don't you come over and um, try and uh, put some of your things here and see how people respond to it. Yeah. 
yeah, I was, I was like, okay, are you sure this is such a great idea? I was super nervous about it. But I prepared, I remember preparing some really good empanadas and um, two vegan cakes, two types of vegan cakes. Okay. I remember all the empanadas being sold out. And the guys that bought the empanadas, they took my details and they ordered some more afterwards. That is crazy. Yeah. Especially for someone who's like just getting into it. Yeah, it was that's, my first week. That's like the biggest <laughs> form of validation. Yeah, and I was just thinking like, wow, people actually love this stuff. Uh, which is amazing. So after that, one of my friends um, s- said that she's looking for a meal plan. She's looking for a vegan and gluten-free meal plan with um, sort of really healthy, nutritious food. And whether this is something I would want to do and prepare for her. She was my first client. She was based in Abu Dhabi. I just thought it would be a great idea to test it out to see how it would go. Yeah. Um, did that for a month. She loved the food. She was raving about it and recommended two more people. Yeah. So then one became three in about uh. two months. And then I was like, wow, this is great. This is actually a great business idea. I'm starting to learn how to do it. Mm. I, I kept doing it from, from my house for about maybe 10 months or so. Yeah. By the end of the year, I had 18 clients. Wow. But uh, my operations were starting to get <laughs> too big <laughs> for um, doing it from home. Right. They were, th- I already had two fridges and uh, all of my space was taken up by work or storage. Mm. Um, and it became quite challenging. And of course, also, I, I knew that I had to, I had to start doing things uh, in another way if yeah. I wanted to continue doing this, this sort of work. Yeah. Yeah. So the next year was the COVID year where everyone knows that nothing happened. That's when I wanted to launch my business officially. But as nothing happened that year, I was sort of just stuck at home, as was everyone else. Yeah. But it was very interesting because I also needed some source source of income. Mm. I ended up just doing the same thing and trying to do the meal plans out of my house, which turned out to be incredibly busy and profitable. That's good. For me, yeah. Although it it also ended up being a lot of work, but it was very prof- profitable and I ended up gaining a lot of clients and work through that, uh, which gave me enough um, confidence to launch launch my business the, the following year. Yeah. So that's when I launched Sage. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. At that point, I was I was <laughs> I was a part was, of this uh, yeah. journey. We had come into my life um, <laughs> amongst with some really great other people yeah uh, who helped me and um, motivated me to to keep going of course always your number one fan (laughs) thank you Bri and likewise (laughs) Um, so yeah here we are a year and we launched in our 2022 we launched in 2021 February yeah so now we are a year 13 months into into the business. Wow. And going strong, we've expanded our team. We are from a one-man show to now five people. That is incredible. As people that aren't in, in sort of FNB don't realize how big a five-people team is. Oh, yeah, because especially in FNB, you don't work eight hours. You work like 13-hour days. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, it's a five-people team. It's a five-people team. <laughs> That's a full, like... 
that's a full production at that point. And it's, it's incredible that you were able to get there within 13 months. Yeah, it hasn't been easy, but I've sort of just tried to follow the natural flow of things. I, I really believe in the, in the product that we have. I really believe in the quality of food that we have. And I think that helps a lot, even on those days where things are not, when things are not easy. Mm. I try to remind myself the journey that I've been on and the, the amazing feedback we receive from clients. I think that's really motivating. Yeah. Because so far, I would say the majority of, of the people that have tried our food have really liked it, loved it, I would say. Mm. Which is which is an incredible, um, you know, thing, incredible gift to receive from others. Yeah, I mean that's that's all you can ask for. That's yeah. that's the biggest thing that that's the biggest. That's validation. why we do this. Yeah, right. We've sort of had similar experiences in the fact that we don't have a background in F and B. Yeah, um, there's no formal training, no professional sort of culinary course or or whatever. We've tried to figure it out ourselves. Something I've dealt with, and I want to know if you have, is is this imposter syndrome? Because essentially, we're in a place where so many people have worked so hard to get to. I've been in a position where I've had to, you know, instruct people what to do, but these people are with full culinary education, and I have none. And I'm I'm telling them in a kitchen, what like what to what to do. Yeah. And that's been something really difficult to to come to terms with. So have you had sort of a similar experience um, with that? Yes and no. I think when I launched Sage, I had become very confident in what mm. I did. I believed in it and uh, working from home from almost for almost two years and uh, making a living out of it. Yeah. It, I think it really sharpens your skills. For sure. Because you are doing everything on your own. And you not only become good at the food side of things but you start understanding more of the business side of things as well so when i officially launched the business and got into it i think the imposter syndrome had sort of calmed down i wouldn't yeah. say it went away completely yeah during the initial months i i wasn't sure how my business would go whether i was making the right choices whether my business idea would survive the costs mm. now we had mm. So, of course, I did have an imposter syndrome, but I always told myself, hey, everybody started somewhere. Everyone started somewhere. So here I am with my journey and let's see how it goes. Yeah, it's, I think it's believing in your ability um, that has gotten you this far. Yeah. And just trusting that to, to take you further. I think you have to and surround yourself with people that, that would give you, that would elevate you yeah. as well. That's um, very important. Yeah, that is very important because... If you find the right tribe, mm. the right people around you, it gets a little bit easier to believe in yourself if you have the right support system. But definitely believing in yourself is very important, especially if you haven't had this validation from your from experience at school or elsewhere. Yeah. And I think with people with no culinary background, such as you and I, I think it is more important to sort of believe in your skills. A hundred percent. I don't think I would have gotten this far if I... If I like gave in to the imposter syndrome, yeah, we would have stopped a lot earlier. Yeah, I've had I've had some episodes even after last year. I remember after having launched my business successfully and like it going pretty well, I've had uh, some some episodes of really going back to the imposter syndrome where where somebody where, where one person out of like 
let's say 0.0% out of the 100% would come up to me and um, say something terrible about my business idea. Mm. Where this person, I remember there was this one person who's, who's actually a Michelin star chef. Yeah. At one of the resorts here, he's a Michelin star chef. And I remember him just, just making fun of my business idea. And mm. I was just thinking, at the time I felt really bad. And I was just thinking, I think it's great. So that's all I need, right? Yeah. And if other people think it's great, if my clients think it's great as well, then yeah, that, that's all we need. Yeah. I mean, imposter syndrome thrives when you are on your high. Like when you are at the best stage, when you've made a really big achievement, that's where it creeps back in where you're like, wait, do I deserve this? People are going to figure out that I'm a fraud. Or for example, like that's, that's what idea of it is. And in my early days, I remember when we were selling out pop-ups that I was doing, I was like, this, why are people showing up to this? To my po- like, these people don't even know me. They've seen me on Instagram. Why are they here? What if they come here and they realize I can't actually cook or something like that? You know, what if they hate the food? What if my food only looks good in the photos um, and it doesn't taste as good in real life? There are all these questions. And then the more you keep doing it and the more you keep growing, you're like, wait, what? how is this happening? Is this the trajectory that I deserve to have? And then once you start believing in yourself and you start letting yourself know that you've actually worked for this, it's not like it was just given to you. There's no need yeah. to feel like a fraud because this is something you've built from the ground up. You've had no connections. You've had nothing that's gotten you to this point but yourself and your passion and your hard work. And it's constantly reminding yourself this that saves you from this trap of imposter syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think you really do have to believe in yourself and you have to be consistent at it. It's not always easy to do, but it's more training your mind. Yeah. So you've, you've done six years of, of, of law, something that, you know, you've studied towards. And then after that, you started your startup um, in the food space. Is there a future in mind? Do we know? Is it something completely different to what you've done? Or is it just continuing this forward? Or is it just something you have no idea? You're just going to go with the flow? I would say I'm going with the flow. That's that's the kind of, that's the type of person I am generally. Mm. It's more trying to keep in touch with what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And um, I will definitely do it as long as it feels good. I would be very happy for it to grow, mm-hmm. to reach more people, for them to, to spread the word. Because I really believe in, in the benefits of a plant-based lifestyle. Yeah. Do you have any advice for, for sort of young adults or people who just started their career or coming out of university, going into, uh, going into university, things like that? Um, do you have any advice based on the experiences you've had so far? Um, my best advice would be try to follow the things that you're interested in rather than being carried away with what other people tell you is good for you. Mm. I think a lot of times when, when we're younger, we are, we're a little bit confused and we are, we are dragged into what's in what other people think is good for us. So I would say just try to, try to figure out what you like, your interests, and try to believe in that and pursue a career aligned with that. I think that that makes it easier to do things because if you wake up every day and you enjoy at least some of what you're doing. Yeah then it will be easier to grow in that career space. All right, before we wrap up, we have a segment on 
the show uh, where we ask for a book recommendation. So I've been trying to get into reading more books and trying to expand the sort of books that I've read so far. So is there a book recommendation you have for, for me and for the people listening and why? There is a really great book that I love um, upon being a manager okay. now that we have a team. I think as with, with a lot of people, I was trying to get better at this role. Mm-hmm. And I, I came across this book, which is called How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've seen that around. It is by Dale Carnegie. Yeah. I absolutely love this book and I recommend it. It's just such great advice for people who, who start ma- managerial roles. Yeah. It's also great if you, if you don't have a managerial role. It's just great because it it gives you advice on how to make relationships work. Yeah. Which I, which I absolutely love. I think it's just so great. It would it could help somebody every day. It's right. a great self-development book. It sounds incredible. I've definitely seen it around, but now that I have an official recommendation from you, I'll pick it up the next time next time it it comes while I'm walking past. Thank you so much for coming on the show. None of this is things that I haven't known before but it's still so inspiring to to hear the story every time I hear it you know especially for someone who's at that stage in my career I say career in quotes um, where there's so much confusion and there's so much doubt and there's so much outside influence on what it, what I'm doing should look like it's good to hear that you know you you've been fearless and you've been you've always backed yourself and your passion and things that you enjoy doing um, and that it's gotten you this far and I'm so excited to see where where else it gets you I hope the people listening pick up all the things that have made an impact in your life and are able to translate it into theirs thank you so much for coming thank you Pri for having me here it was such a pleasure to um, to speak to you about my story and um, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share this with others of course Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Brunch with Pre. If you enjoy the show, please give us a rating and feel free to reach out to me directly on Instagram if you have any feedback. This show is produced by Vedahi Patel and the artwork is designed by Sophia Gowan Taylor. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are in the world. See you in the next episode. Bye.